let our Awana workers and our Awana children come forward and they'll present their awards to them tonight. We have two Spark Awards tonight. The first one is going to Chelsea Morrow. She's earned a red jewel for saying six verses, all the books of the Bible, and she had to find six of these books and show it to her leader. Chandler McKinney is earning a green jewel for bringing a visitor. She had to do a prayer chart for five nights. She learned Colossians 1-3, and she had to tell a family member a lesson that she heard in Sparks. We're the Chums, and we have two girls tonight to be honored. We have Abby Hensley. She uh, passed her Bible drill one. She's getting her go torch in bar. She said eight verses and did the books of the Bible, and she did two Bible drills. is Jordan Mullis. She did 10 verses and she did two Bible drills and one Bible drill was on Jesus' trial and crucifixion and the other was on Jesus' burial and resurrection. She's getting a dope torch. She has a verse. <laughs> She's got a verse she wants to do. We're the pals, we're the third and fourth grade young men, and we got several awards to give out tonight. First of all, I've got a bronze arrowhead to go to Justin Nicewanger. This is for his first quarter attendance where he uh, missed only one or fewer times uh, during club attendance in the first quarter. Next, we have Bradley Clutt. He is receiving a bronze arrowhead for missing one or fewer times in the second quarter. We've got Charlie Webb here has finished his fourth Bible drill in his Brave Handbook, which included memorizing and reciting 16 Bible verses, and he gets a gold arrowhead. <laughs> Next, we have Brendan Morrow. He completed an activity section in his Brave Handbook on missions, and he receives a silver arrowhead. And finally, we have Brandon Daggett. He has completed his Brave Handbook, and by doing that, he earned the most points for this past month, and so he is our January Clubber of the Month. We're the guards, the fourth and fifth grade girls. No, fifth and sixth. I don't know, it's just some of them girls. But uh, uh, before I get started, if you, if you don't mind, any of you that can, get you a pen and a pencil real quick while I'm giving these awards to Reagan. Reagan now has, uh, we've gotten behind on our attendance awards. So for the first and second quarter on the club attendance, Reagan's receiving uh, her bronze attendance awards for that. And she's also getting a silver activity award for completing her health and environment. Good job, Reagan. And what I wanted you to do was to write down four girls' names. Uh, and their names are Reagan Smith, Valerie Hicks, Susan Denise, 
and, oh, Courtney Seals, I'm sorry, my own daughter, I forgot. But these four girls, if you will pray for, for them starting today through Saturday, they're going to be on our quizzing team. And we want Temple Baptist to look good on Saturday. So pray for these girls. Just uh, continuing on what she was saying, uh, this Saturday is our quizzing competition, and it is where the our older clubs, which is our third and fourth grade clubs and our fifth and sixth grade clubs, will compete against other churches in the area that have the Awana program. It will be at Oakwood Baptist, which is over on Bonnie Oaks, and it starts at 9 o'clock in the morning, and anyone is welcome to come and see this. Uh, it'll be in the auditorium, so there'll be plenty of room. Um, but we've got several kids. We've got girls from third and fourth grade chums competing. We have boys from the uh, third and fourth grade, which is the pals competing. We have girls competing in the guards, and those are the names that were given there of those competing. And we also have boys in the pioneers with the fifth and sixth. So they can use any encouragement that you guys can give them, but also do pray for them this week because they've got a lot that they've got to remember uh, for this quizzing, but it's a really exciting time for them. And then shortly right after that, we have coming up in March 10th and 11th, we have our Sparks Rama and our Olympics, and that'll be over at the Temple High School gym. And uh, you guys really need to, if you ever get a chance to come out and see the quizzing or the Olympics, uh, this is something that's really exciting. And and these kids, a lot of times. Uh, some of these kids that come, a lot of the ones that are not church members, uh, they're, they're not for different reasons, not necessarily uh, able to be active in sports. Maybe they're, you know, they just cannot be in sports in school or different things. And so these events are a really big uh, thing for them. Uh, everyone walks away being acknowledged uh, with a certificate or something of that nature. So this is something that's really big and exciting in their lives and any support that uh, that y'all could give to them I'm sure they would greatly appreciate it but this coming up this Saturday at nine o'clock over at Oakwood Baptist we'll have uh, four several teams competing in the quizzing Thanks. I've never been to one of their quizzing but I have been to one of the Olympics before and it is really good and I would encourage all of you to mark that on your calendar let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering as they do so let me just make mention of a couple of things. I know we're taking a little longer tonight with some announcements and uh, we don't spend a lot of time in services now, but just a couple of things I want to make mention. Uh, of course, we've talked a lot about our goals 2000 and our vision for 2000 and where we're going and different things. And, and at the very beginning of this year, uh, I did something I've never done before. We've always had goals and whatever, but I really sat down and really thought, where do we need to go, what we need to do, and, and just wrote down everything. And in our first deacons meeting, uh, I give them a well-prepared type little packet. I said, now this is where we want to try to go in the year 2000. And what we'll do is uh, look at everything. And when we come to our meetings, we'll shoot for different things like that. And uh, I am learning more and more and more uh, the benefit of goals. If you really know where you're going and you know what you're doing, you're more apt to get there. And it's like someone said, I'd rather shoot at something and miss it and then shoot at nothing and hit it. And uh, so I'm learning that in my own personal life and different things and even here in the church. And I've been amazed already. We're just in February, and I'm already amazed at how far 
we are ahead of everything. We had goals. We wanted to do this by so-and-so, do this by so-and-so, do this by so-and-so, do this by so-and-so, and whatever. One of the goals we started out the first of the year was to pay off the building, the Sunday school building we built a few years ago, and uh, we would have paid it off early uh, because we've uh, paid a little bit along on Wednesday nights and things like that. But uh, one of the goals was to, uh, as it started out first year, was to pay the building off in July. And that was one of my goals. We want to shoot to pay the building off in July, which would have been early anyway. But uh, we're going to pay that thing off tomorrow. Isn't that great? We're already that far ahead. So I thank the Lord for it. We're going to write a check tomorrow, and that's over with. And as soon as I get the note, I'm going to get them deacons up here, all exception to Gary Cleaver, and we're going to burn it. If I get Gary up here, he'll set fire to the building. Amen. But uh, we're going to pay that thing off this week, and we'll set aside a service, and we'll have a note burning on that. So we're way ahead on that, and I thank the Lord, and way ahead on a lot of other things, and uh, things that we were shooting for probably in September. We're going to be... Uh, we're going to be March and April getting those done. So I'm already amazed at how we're going at things. And another thing I want to make mention of, of course, every year in uh, January, 1st February, uh, we elect our chairman to serve for the coming year. And I want to have Brother Damon Perry stand. He served as our chairman last year. Let's express our thanks to Damon for the, his service last year. Appreciate him. And uh, this year, I'm excited about our new chairman for the coming year and believe he's going to do a great job brother Tommy Eller will serve as our chairman where's brother Tommy let's welcome Tommy won't you pray for him and lift him up and if you got any complaints he wanted me to let you to know none of us was interested in hearing about him say amen right there and uh, pray for Tommy let's pray now you give tonight the Lord will bless you father we thank you now for all of the victories and the things you're doing for us and Father, you told us if we just believe you and trust you and look to you and lean upon you and just follow you, that you'd bless us. And we're already seeing things being done as a result of just stepping out by faith and shooting for something and going at something for your honor and glory. Thank you, Lord, for enabling us to reach goals months in advance. So we thank you for that. I continue to bless the service now, bless the giving of the people of God. Lord, thank you for the giving. Without their giving, we could not do the things that we're doing, but I thank you so much for it. Bless now this service and open our hearts to all that you have. In Jesus' name, amen.
tonight as the choir comes down, let's get out, shake hands with everyone around. Find those people you really don't know, tell them who you are. If they're visiting, welcome here. If they're new members, get acquainted. If they're older members, still get acquainted. Page number 522. Find you a songbook, page 522, 522. Everyone on the first, all together now. I stand amazed in the presence
Thank you. You may be seated. We got a new person going to sing for us tonight. Brandon Berry is going to come sing for us now. bushes around here don't they? I'm amazed what a blessing what a blessing and I'm thrilled about 
our teenagers just are fired up and so involved, and I've never seen them as excited, and I appreciate it so much. Miss Perry, good to see you here with us tonight. One of the things I'm excited about this year is a new ministry, and you've heard a lot about it, and I know you don't have, you're wondering, you're asking questions, what it's all about and different things, and over the years, over the next couple of years, you will learn more and eventually become a very, very important part of our Sunday school. In fact, it is a ministry, Sunday school, uh, evangelism and different things, but it's a ministry of faith. And we've got four people that are going through faith the first semester. Four people, and of course we only have four because they only have two leaders, and each leader can train two learners, and then you multiply that each semester and whatever. But uh, four people have made a commitment this year, and this is for 16 weeks, and uh, they're being here, and of course the first a night of faith was all orientation going through it then this past Tuesday night uh, we had our faith and uh, we went out with teams our first night to actually go out in faith teams and one of the things they had to do was give their Sunday school testimony and so uh, each one I am a leader and brother Brian is a leader and so two people are in my group so one of the things in the very beginning of the faith classes is they have uh, team time and so they have to uh, share that the memorization work they've had for the week and different things like that and one of the things involved in faith is a Sunday school lesson and so uh, I had two in mind and and so John Vandergriff he gave his Sunday school testimony and it's so good I wanted to go join fellowship class and then my wife she gave her Sunday school testimony I thought no I'm gonna join the Watts class amen <laughs> it was so good but uh, one of them is going through faith this first semester and I'm gonna introduce them to you week after week and I want them to share with you what they're learning in faith and what faith is meaning to them and we're just in our second week this coming Tuesday will be our third week in faith but I want Lorraine Eli to come tonight and just share a little bit about it she's just now learning what faith is all about but I want her to just let you know what faith is meaning to her here in the very very beginning of the thing if you'll be patient with me I'm trying to get laryngitis. <laughs> Matthew 19, I'm sorry, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. When I was growing up, I, was, I attended First Baptist in Lafayette, and we had GAs, and I heard the Great Commission over and over through GAs, and I loved to hear it, and I loved to say it. I loved memorizing it, and we really had a thrust for missions then. My life's been pretty patchwork until I finally just said, okay, Lord, it's all yours. I'm gonna quit trying to do it myself now. It's your turn. <laughs> I had prayed, Lord, lead me to some place where you can use me. Faith, this faith program is wonderful. We, after we'd gone out Tuesday night, done our visitations, and come back and had our celebration time, we laughingly said that faith stood for fear and anxiety and intimidation and terror and heart failure, but that's not so. <laughs> that's how you feel going in. If you're like me, I've not ever been really good about sharing my testimony with people verbally. I 
tried to live it before people sometimes and in bits and pieces I've given it. But folks, I'm being discipled. We are all to be disciples. What a concept. Lorraine Eli, nobody really is a disciple of the greatest champion, and I love that song, of love. He can use me, and I am a grandmother who has all these wasted years behind me when I wish I had used more time for him. But through faith, we're learning forgiveness, available but not automatic, impossible, turn in heaven. Those are your five points. And we're learning the scriptures that give us solid rock information so that we're armed like we're supposed to be when we go out, because it is a war. I thank God that he led me to this ministry. I feel I've been prepared for it all my life, that I finally found where he wants me to be. And I pray that you will pray for us. We need your love, we need your prayers and your encouragement. Please go to each one of the other members also and let them know you're praying for them because we are also learning that with this and with prayer, we can do anything. We can witness to anybody. And we're learning to love with the love of Christ, those who may not be as lovely as others. I mean, I'm not, and he loved me. He's teaching us so much, and I pray that you will consider it prayerfully so that when we are through with this semester you'll be willing to answer Amen. if you are invited. Amen. It is awesome. Thank you. As a blessing, this coming Tuesday night they're going to be learning about their evangelistic testimony and what it is, eventually we are going to be having teams every week going out of our Sunday school classes, doing various kinds of visits, prospect visits, ministry visits. On Tuesday night, I took my team and we did ministry visits and follow-up visits and different things. But it's just exciting, just folks going out and just doing what Jesus put us on this earth to do, and that's to be a witness for him. Amen? I want you to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12. And as you know, we are making our way through the book of 1 Corinthians on Sunday night, and we're in chapter 12, and we're in the passage of Scripture that has to do with the matter of spiritual gifts. I want you to stand as we honor the reading of His Word. Last Wednesday night, we looked at verses 1 through 11, and we thought about the matter of clearing up the muddy waters concerning spiritual gifts. Tonight, we're going to think about this thought, one a toe, another a nose, but all one body. Of course, you know my titles. I, I try to make sense out of them for there with. But I want, I want to say something in the very beginning, and I, I want you to understand this. And I know that many of you come from many different backgrounds. And I know that many of you maybe come out of denominations and groups that maybe believed and practiced some of the things that I would be very firm about and very hard about in the next few weeks 
And I understand that. And I know that many of you have family that believe different than we do. And I understand that. And I want you up front to understand that my intention is not to be offensive to you, but to be honest and truthful with you. And I do not want to leave the impression that there are others, they're not sincere or they're not Christians. I believe there are many folks that are Christians and sincere, but I think they've been led astray in some things. But I want you to know I understand your backgrounds and I understand your families and your relationships and, and different things like that. I want you to understand that. And I also want you to understand something that I'm not preaching to you Baptist doctrine. Now, I am a Baptist. I have always been a Baptist. I have... I was born a Baptist, and I have always been a Baptist, and I should say I have remained a Baptist, and I have chosen to be a Baptist and chosen to remain as a Baptist. But I want you to understand something. I do not get out the Baptist statement of faith to find out what to believe in. And I do not get the monthly literature from the Baptist to find out what I'm supposed to believe in this month. This Bible forms the basis of what I believe, and this Bible forms the basis of what I preach. Now, if it just happens to fit with the Baptists, so be it. But if the Baptists don't like it, I just say to them, you can lump it, bump it, dump it, or jump it. This is what I believe, and this is what the Bible said. The Bible forms the basis of what I preach and what I believe. And so that's why a number of years ago, the the way that I preach, basically, is by going verse by verse by verse through a Bible. Because I've learned and felt and grew, it was a conviction in my heart years ago that what the people of God need to hear is the Word of God. Not a preaching, not a message from the Word, but the Word. And so that's why it's been my method and policy for all these years and will continue to do so. And so as I approach these things, I want you to understand, I understand your background, but I want you to just to follow me through the Bible and let the Bible form the basis of what you believe. Don't let your experiences form your doctrine. Let your doctrine form your experiences. I've had through the years people, and I've had to say to me two or three, Brother Ken, I know what you're saying, and I see what you're saying, but I know... What happened to me? Now, listen to me very carefully. That's a dangerous way to live because you do not formulate your doctrine based on experiences in life. You let your doctrine, the Word of God, regulate your experiences in life. Now, I don't care what kind of experience you had. You understand one thing. The Spirit of God, God's never going to give you anything of the Bible, then as gently as I know how to say it, you've been thrown a curve. And it's been the flesh. It's not been the Spirit. And so you do not form what you believe based on some kind of experience you have. No, you sift every experience through what the Bible says. And if the Bible approves it, then help yourself. But if the Bible disapproves it, junk your experience. But I say all that to let you know that I'm not just wanting to be insensitive to any of you maybe that years ago were taught one way or you have family members or friends that believe another way. I just want to simply go through the Bible and try to explain it. You be open and look at it. Now tonight I want us to look at this passage beginning in verse 12. 
And Paul has defined gifts and described them verses 1 through 11. Now he begins, he puts in, interjects this section in here to help us to understand how or the purpose of these gifts. Now next, uh, the next, when we come back, we're going to go back to a list of gifts that were given in verse 9 and verses 8, 9, and 10. And also a list that's given in verse 29, verse 28, 29, and 30. And we're going to really focus on these and we're going to break gifts down into the areas to which they're supposed to be. But let's look at the purpose on Verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have made all and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Now, if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. If our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Thank you. you may be seated. Let's pray. And we're going to think about the body tonight and look at this passage of Scripture and learn some things about the body, the purpose of gifts and where they operate. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we've been blessed. Our hearts have been warmed tonight and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to read the Word of God publicly. We thank you for this Bible. And Father, just reading it, reading it publicly, I realize, Lord, is a tremendous honor as well as a responsibility we thank you Lord for the hearing of your word but father we want to do more than hear it we want to learn it and so we ask now for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit that we might understand the Word of God you are not only the author of the book you are the interpreter of the book so help us tonight as we continue our quest of clearing the muddy waters concerning spiritual gifts Help us tonight to learn about the role of gifts and the purpose of them and our relationship to the body. Speak to us tonight. Let us learn the Scripture and help us now to settle ourselves and ground ourselves in God's Word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. I think all of you would agree with me tonight that our human bodies are a marvel. The Bible speaks of them as being fearfully and wonderfully made. I was reading an article the other day that 
talked about our five senses and how our five senses give us astounding capabilities. The ability to smell and to hear and to see, just amazing capabilities. I read one time that a normal man at middle age, every 24 hours, this is a normal man at middle age, middle age is somewhere around 57, 58, somewhere like that. I guess that's what it is. I'm still young. Can I get an amen right there? A normal man at middle age, every 24 hours, his heart will beat 103,680 times. His blood will circulate every 23 seconds and travel 168 million miles every 24 hours. He'll breathe 23,000 times and inhale 438 cubic feet of air. He'll evaporate two pounds of water by perspiration and generate 450 tons of energy, use 750 muscles and 7 million brain cells, and they will reproduce themselves basically as fast as he will use it. I think you would agree with me that the human body is a marvel. Again, as the psalmist said, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But I think about another marvel, and that is not only the human body, but I think of the spiritual body that we call the body of Christ. In chapter 12, we find over and over again, he talks about the body. He talks about the body of Christ, how we're members of a body. He's talking about a wonderful, glorious, marvelous body, the body of Jesus Christ. As I said a moment ago in verses 1 through 11, Paul defines for us in a brief way what spiritual gifts are, and he describes for us in a little bit, in a brief way, some of the spiritual gifts. But now beginning in verse 12, he begins to tell us how these gifts operate and how these gifts function or where these gifts operate and where they function. He wants to tell us that spiritual gifts operate in the realm of a body and that spiritual gifts operate in the realm of the body of Jesus Christ. I want to just point out two things. You know I'm a three-point person, and uh, you know basically my three points last about 20 minutes, and my introduction is 10, my conclusion is 10, so that's a total of 40 minutes. Can I get an amen there? It's not the three-pointers, two-pointers that you need to get excited about. The less my points are, the longer I go. So I want to talk about two things tonight. First of all, I want us to think about the members of the body. The members of the body. You notice in verse 12 through 27 that Paul uses the word member or members at least 14 times. Now as he talks about the body of Christ and in particular spiritual gifts in the body, he, over, the, over this course of these verses, 14 times he makes reference to we being members in the body of Christ. What he's talking about and describing is our relationship with Jesus Christ. When he talks about being a member in the body of Christ or being members in the body of Christ, he is describing a spiritual relationship that we have with Christ. Now, you'll notice in these verses that he describes this relationship in a twofold way. First of all, he speaks of this body or the members of the body. He talks about the diversity that is in the body. Look at verse 12 again. He said, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Look at it again. He said, It hath many members. He also said, in all the members, plural, being many. 
He states in verse 12 that there are many members. He talks about a body made up of members, and he wants us to know, and he tells us, describe how there are many members in this body. He is describing a diversity within the body. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. Verse 20 describes this diversity. But now are they many members, yet one body. Again, he's talking about a body, but he's telling us there is a diversity within this body. Now, to further illustrate this diversity, beginning in verse 15, down through verse 17, Paul speaks of various body parts. For example, he makes reference to a foot. He makes reference to a hand. He makes reference to an ear. He makes reference to an eye. He even makes reference to a nose. Now, the picture is very obvious. Just like our bodies are made up of many members, fingers, uh, hands, legs, arms, ears, eyes, and on and on we could go, just like our physical body, we may speak of it as a body, but it is made up of many members, so is the body of Jesus Christ. There are many members in the body, and there is a diversity in that body. Now, he describes this diversity in a couple of ways. Look in verse 13. He talks about there is a diversity of people. Notice what he said in verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Now, he talks about this diversity. And he talks about body parts, reminding us there is a diversity in the body of Christ. But in verse 13, he insinuates that this diversity is a diversity of people. He's telling us that the body of Christ is made up of Jews, and the body of Christ is made up of Gentiles. He is telling us that the body of Christ is not limited to one race or nationality, but the body of Christ is made up of all races. It is made up of all nationalities. It is made up of bond and free, that is, those with different backgrounds and whatever. He's telling us that in the body of Christ, there is a diversity of people. Now, the body of Christ is made up of everybody that's been saved. And I'm glad there's a diversity in the body. I look around in this place tonight, and we see the diversity in the body demonstrated. There are people of different races, several different races, and several different nationalities represented even in this service tonight. And I'm glad our church is that way. God forbid we ever be so narrow-minded that we think we're the only ones going to heaven. Like somebody think about Baptists. Like somebody said, you think only Baptists are going to heaven? I said, no, I don't think half of them are going. Say amen right there. But I'm glad the body of Christ, there is a diversity. And we think about, look around this room. We come from different backgrounds. We have different occupations. We have different vocations. We have different ideals. We've got Republicans here tonight. We've got Democrats here tonight. We've got Independents here tonight. We look different. We think different. There is a diversity of people in the body of Christ. But not only does he describe how this diversity is a diversity of people, but he even says there is a diversity of places. For he talks about the believers, and when he spoke about different body parts, and when he used that analogy of different body parts, he was indicating that believers have different places or different roles or different functions within the body. If I can put it this way, 
in the body of Christ, which is every born-again believer, there are, there are some that are ears in the body. There are some that we might say that are feet in the body. There are some that are eyes in the body. There are some that are toes on those feet in the body. There are hands in the body. Some are hands, some are fingers on those hands. And some of them, there are even some noses in the body of Christ. But the ideal is that there are different roles in different places in the body of Christ in which believers function. You notice verse 15 through 17. He gives two illustrations that demonstrates this diversity and the importance of this diversity. Look at verse 15 and 16 again. He said, If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Now, you see in verse 15 and 16, Paul imagines now a conversation going on with different body parts. In verse 15, he's got this foot that's talking. And I can imagine now, let me just kind of imagine what this foot may be saying. This foot here says, I'm not a hand. And this old foot is thinking about it, and he says, you know what, I don't ever get treated like the hand does. Nobody shakes me. Nobody puts diamond rings on me. He said, most people cover me up. And at times, I even got an odor about myself. He said, I'm not a foot. I'm just a... Nobody ever talks about me. Nobody ever... He said, I don't even get to scratch. He said, I'm just an insignificant person. I must not be a part of the body. Then in verse 16, there is an ear that says, I'm not a part of the body. The ear's talking. And I can imagine this ear saying, I'm not an eye. Nobody ever talks about how pretty green ears I've got or how pretty brown ears I've got. No folks poke holes in me and hang things on my ears. And he said, and I can imagine this ear thinking to himself, you know, it really gets old after a while being called mud flaps and side drop bars. And I really don't want to be an ear anymore. I want to be an eye. And he says, I'm not all that important. Everybody looks at those eyes and said, oh, you have lovely blue eyes. I wish I had your eyes. Nobody ever says, I wish I had your ears. <laughs> and he says, I really must not be a part of the body. But the point that Paul is making is that, yes, the ear is part of the body. And the foot is part of the body. Maybe it doesn't get the recognition that other members of the body does. But they're all members because there is a diversity of the body and that diversity gives every member of the body a different role in the body. And it gives every member of the body a different function and a different place of service within that body. Look in verse 17. He said, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing?" If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Now, what you have here, in the, those days in the church of Corinth, there were some that didn't have particular gifts and others had gifts and they were envious of that gifts and they were wanting to have these particular gifts and whatever. And we'll learn more about that in chapter 14. But he uses an illustration here. In verse 17, he talks about an ear that wants to be an eye. And this ear is said, again, I'm tired of just having things hanging off of me and, and people pulling at me. He said, I want to be a beautiful eye. And he even gets the nose in on the picture, and the nose is wanting to be an ear. 
And I can imagine this nose thinking to himself, I'm really getting fed up with this kind of life. All I ever do is get blowed, picked, and scratched. I'm tired of this rat race. And I want to do something else. I want to be an ear. But Paul says, can I get out? I'm getting all this out of the Greek. You know what I'm talking about. You really got to dig in there. But Paul said, if the ear became an eye, we wouldn't be able to hear. If both ears became eyes, we were no longer left with ears, therefore we would not be able to hear. And again, if the nose became an ear, we wouldn't be able to smell. What Paul is talking about is there is a diversity and there is a reason for diversity. And thank God there is a diversity in our physical bodies. We're able to see, feel, taste, smell, and hear because there is a diversity. And thank God there is a diversity in the body of Christ. What if everybody was a preacher? We wouldn't be blessed by those that sing. What if everybody was a singer? We wouldn't be blessed by those who preach and teach. What if everybody was this and that? We would miss something. You see, there is a diversity there. In fact, Paul even talks about in verse 19. He said, if they were all one member, where would the body? What if they were not a diverse in the body and we all ended up just being one big old eye? Or we ended up just being one big old nose. We could smell good, but we'd never see anything and never hear anything, never feel anything. And we were all one big old ear. We could hear a long ways off, but we wouldn't be able to taste. We wouldn't be able to smell. No, he says, listen, there is a diversity in the body. It is a diversity that is beneficial to the whole body. That God has a diversity of gifts and he gives believers gifts and he gives different ones in different ways so that everybody, it all all builds up a body and, and makes a body, but everybody is blessed because of that diversity. You look back in verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. He reminds us in verse 18 that where we are in the body is up to God. Now, we didn't choose to be an ear. We didn't choose to be an eye. Some in the Corinthian church says, well, I don't have the gift of healing. I don't have the gift of speaking in tongues. I don't have the gift of interpretation of tongues. I don't have those gifts. And they were envious of it. For those with the gifts were making those that didn't have them and feel inferior. And so they were said, I'm just an ear. I'm not an eye. And Paul says, God's gifts, what you are and where you are, is because of God's will in your life. If you are a foot in the body, that was the will of God for your life. If you're an eye, that's the will of God for your life. You have, the gifts you have is of God's doings, and where you are in the body is of God's doing. Now, I say to you now, if you'll ever get a hold of that, it can be a liberating truth in your life. It'll liberate you to realize that you do not have to be like somebody else. And you don't have to do like someone else. And you don't have to duplicate someone else. God makes originals and he made you and you are the you that God wanted you to be. And it'll set you free when you don't live in that rat race of trying to be like somebody else and do like somebody else. You're you and you're the you God made you to be. He puts you where he wanted you to be. And what we thank God for it, but that's the will of God. But he not only talks about a diversity in the body, but he also talks about a unity in the body. For notice again verse 12. It is a body in which there are many members. There is a diversity there, but 
even in the diversity, there is unity. He said in verse 12, For as the body is one, it hath many members, all the members of that one body. Being many are one body, so also is Christ. Look down in verse 20. But now are they many members, yet one body. He says the members of the body of Christ, that there is diversity in that members, that God has different roles, different functions, different areas of services for everybody. Not everybody is to do the same thing in the work of God. Not everybody is to do the same thing in God's service in the body. Everybody is gifted different, gifted as God wanted you to be. There's diversity there, but there is unity there. Now, notice the unity that he describes. For one thing, he talks about the person of our unity in verse 12. He talks about so also is Christ. Now, you know what brings us together as one tonight? We are of different nationalities, different backgrounds, different occupations, different vocations. Our ideals about things are different. We approach life different. Our personalities are different. But you know what brings all these differences together and pulls us together as one? You know what draws us all together tonight as we are here tonight and brings us together in a oneness as we enjoy? It is our relationship to Jesus Christ. I know of nothing else on the face of this earth that will bring people together from every walk of life and bring them together to love one another than knowing Jesus Christ. He is the basis of our unity. You see, tonight, if you are a Christian, you talked about Jews and Gentiles. There is Jews... But when a Jew gets saved, you know what a Jew is? He's a Christian. And a Gentile, you eat, but you want to eat Gentile gets saved, you know what he is? He's a Christian. And it doesn't matter what nationality you are, it doesn't make a hill of beans to God. When you're saved with the grace of God, you're a Christian. And we are brought together with our relationship to Jesus Christ. That is the person of our unity. But look in verse 13. He talks about the process of our unity. Look at this. For by one Spirit are we all baptized in the one body. I want you to underscore that statement there, baptized by the Spirit. Or for by one Spirit are we all baptized in the one body. You'll find that phrase in one form or another, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit. They're all the same phrases. You'll find them seven times in the Bible. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, the baptism by the Spirit, or being baptized by the Spirit. You'll find that phrase seven times in the Bible. I think of when John the Baptist was standing on the riverbank or baptizing in Jordan, and one of the messages of John was, He shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, John preached the baptism of the Holy Ghost and said it would happen, but he didn't explain it. John said, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. But nowhere do you find John ever defining what he meant. Nowhere do you find John. He declared it, but he did not define it. But Paul declares it, and he defines it. Paul tells us what it is to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Paul tells us what it is to be baptized with the Spirit. Paul tells us what it is to be baptized by the Spirit of God. He talks about it, and he mentions it here, and he describes the baptism of the Holy Ghost this way. Look at it again, verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized. That same phrase would be, same as John used, baptized by the Holy Ghost. What is it that we're baptized? For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. 
He describes the baptism of the Holy Ghost as a work of the Spirit of God whereby we are put into the body of Christ. He is describing the baptism of the Holy Ghost as that work of the Spirit of God where we are placed into His body. The word baptize is a word that means immersion. Sometimes it means identification. And the same ideal is here. Like when I baptize someone, I immerse them in the water. I put them into the water. And they are being immersed. And they're also some act of identification. They're in that act, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All the meanings are there. And when he talked about being baptized by the Spirit, he's talked about that work of the Holy Ghost whereby we are put into the body of Christ. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want you, I want you, let me just throw in some footnotes right here, okay? I want you to listen to me very carefully. This matter of the baptism of the Holy Ghost and that phrase is one of the most misunderstood phrases in all the Bible. It is one of the most is, misunderstood terms in the Word of God. And why it's misunderstood is that people get the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the filling of the Holy Ghost. They don't understand the difference. They are not the same. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is not the same as being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now listen to me carefully. The baptism of the Holy Ghost occurs at your conversion. When you come to Jesus Christ and you accept Him as your personal Savior, the Spirit of God does a work in you. And that work is He puts you into the body of Jesus Christ. You are baptized in the body. That happens automatically. You didn't have to come to the altar and say, I want to be saved and by the way, throw in a, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. No, I didn't even know about it. But the moment I got saved, the moment I put my faith in Jesus Christ, He put me into the body of Christ. That happened at conversion. But the feeling of the Holy Spirit is an altogether different matter. Look in Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Notice that text there. Ephesians 5 and verse 18. The Bible said, Be ye not drunk with wine, where is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18. I want you to look at the word filled there. It tells us to be filled with the Spirit. The word filled there was a word that was used in those days to speak of wind filling the sails of a ship. You see, that ship had been designed with a purpose. Its creator, its designer had made it to sail the seas. He had designed it to haul cargo, cargo or passengers. It had been created with a purpose. It had been created with a design, and that design was to sail the seas. But that ship was absolutely powerless to fulfill its purpose until the wind filled those sails. When the Bible spoke about being filled, the ideal is that the filling of the Spirit of God is that which energizes our service that which empowers us to be and to do what God wants us to do. It is also a word that was used to speak of salt that uh, permeated the meat to preserve that meat. Paul had the same thing in mind in Galatians 5 when he said, Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You want to have power in service? It's be filled with the Spirit of God. You know how to be preserved from sin? Be filled with the Spirit of God. Have the idea of control. 
as we submit our life to God and yield our life to God, we are controlled by the Spirit. We're filled. We're he absolutely takes charge of our life, thereby being our power for service and our protection from sin. Now, being baptized by the Holy Ghost happened at your conversion. Are you following me tonight? Follow me. Stay with me now. Stay with me. Being baptized by the Holy Ghost happened when you got saved. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is something that should happen because you are saved. I look at Ephesians 5.18. Let me just point out another footnote. This is such a misunderstood term. Ephesians 5.18 said, Be ye not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit. See those two words, be ye? The tense of them mean this is a command. This is not a suggestion. He, Paul's not saying, I recommend you be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not suggesting we be filled. He's telling us to be filled. It is a command of God that believers live filled with the Spirit of God. We ought to live where God can control our life. The Spirit of God can be in charge of our life. And if I live any other way than letting the Spirit of God rule my life and be in charge of my life and di dictating my life and directing my life, then I'm living in disobedience. I am commanded to be filled. But I want you to notice something. You'll not find one place in the Bible where you're commanded to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not one place. What about John? Read it, read it, read it. It'll help you a whole lot if we just read the Bible. John said he shall baptize you. John did not say be ye baptized with the Holy Ghost. He said, one of these days, he, that I am unworthy, to even latch his shoelaces. He said, one of these days, he will come and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. He never commanded anybody to be baptized with the Holy Ghost in fire. Nowhere in the Bible do you find we're commanded to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. But we are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Because being baptized with the Holy Ghost is automatic. When you got saved, you were baptized with the Holy Ghost. You were put into the body of Christ. And after you were put in the body of Christ, baptized by the Holy Ghost, then you are commanded to be filled with the Spirit of God. Let me give another footnote here because it's such a misunderstanding. In our day, it is not uncommon for it to hear someone say that speaking in tongues is the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Anybody talks about in many, in many being baptized with the Holy Ghost, they will usually say speaking in tongues is the evidence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want you to look at verse 13. Look at verse 13 again. I want you to show something. For by one Spirit, now I want you to look at this. Let's just read the Bible. Let God talk to us. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Now can I give you a Greek lesson tonight? You see those two words, we all? You know what that means in the Greek? We all. Everybody, he says that everybody is baptized by the Spirit. Everybody has been baptized into the body of Christ. Everybody, everybody, we all. But look down at verse 30, and we're going to look at this next week. And he asks a series of questions. He says, have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Now, the question that he asked there, as we will learn, was implying that no, not everybody speaks in tongues. The speaking in tongues, the only evidence that speaking in tongues gives 
is that that's the gift you've got. And not only, and I'll say more about that in the days to come and you'll realize you ain't got it. Say amen. But speaking in tongues, he said, not everybody has the gift of speaking in tongues. But he said, everybody's baptized by the Spirit. So to say that, it, that speaking in tongues is the evidence of being baptized by the Spirit is false and contrary to what the Scripture says. But I want to say that he's talking about diversity, but he's talking about unity. And our unity is in Jesus Christ. We've been brought together in him. And the process of that unity is that we were placed into the body of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a second thing. I've got to hurry. There is the ministry of the body. Not only the members of the body, but the ministry of the body. Beginning in verse 21. He talks about the purpose of spiritual gifts and he tells us that it is a ministry. Look at it. He talks about, first of all, the significance of each member. Look at verse 21. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. In verse 21 there, he's talking about how important every one of them. Again, in the Corinthian church, there were certain ones that did not have certain gifts. And they were feeling inferior or unimportant because they did not have these gifts. In verse 21, he's talking about the inner work and the inner relation, uh, the need of each member in the body, how that there is not independence, but there's interdependence, how that we are dependent upon one another. This is the example they gave in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Let's give you a picture. The eye sees a beautiful apple, a Virginia beauty. And that eye says, oh, I'd like to have that. But the eye says, I don't need the hand. But you got to realize something. That eye can see that apple, but it can't do anything with what it sees. It's got to have a hand. It sees an apple that it wants, and it has to have a hand to be able to reach out and pluck that apple. But the apple and the hand, or the eye and the hand, if that's all that they've got, still the eye can see it and the hand can pick it. They can't do anything with it unless you've got a mouth and teeth. And the mouth and teeth can't do anything with it unless there's not a stomach to digest it. The point he's saying is this, that nobody... That the eye cannot say, I don't need the hand. He's saying that we have to depend on one another. He talks about the head, which is the mind. The mind thinks of something. The mind says to itself, you know, I would like, I believe I'd like to go to the Hamilton Place Mall. And the mind says, I won't go to the mall, but if he don't have no need of a foot, how is he going to get there? What he's trying to, the point he's trying to bring out is that we have to have one another and we cannot do the work of God without one another. Every member is important. Now listen to me tonight. There are some gifts in the body that if I could put them this way, that would put you in the limelight. There are some gifts that God gives to certain people that puts them out front. Let me put it that way. That's another way of putting it. Such as preaching. Preaching automatically puts me in front of you. Singing. The, the gift of singing, the ability to sing and whatever like that, what the, that puts you in front of people. Teaching. These things, there are some gifts that God gives to certain ones in the body that automatically put them out front. 
But there's some people in the body whose gifts that have been given to them by God and how God has equipped them to serve, it does not put them in the front. They're in the background. And they feel like they're overlooked and maybe they don't feel that they're important. But I want you to listen to me. The eye and every member of the body is just as important as the other. Uh, you see, you take the matter, the eye is always seen, but we could not live without a liver, a heart, or a brain. We could not exist without the other. And there are certain people in this church that are gifted and they're using their gifts that puts them out in front of people. But the bottom line is, I could not do what I do on Sunday. Rick could not do what he does on Sunday if it were not for people working behind the scenes that never were in the front and never in the limelight and never got attention. We come here and I preach to you as a crowd. He leads a choir to the crowd. But if it had not been for somebody that opened these doors and turned on these heats and cleaned these buildings during the week and worked back there in the nursery and made this work and made this work and worked here and were there, we could not do half what we do out here. What he's saying to us is the eye cannot say, I have no need of the hand. The bottom line is, friend, everybody's important. There are no big eyes and little me's in the body of Christ. You are just as vital to the work of God. Maybe you don't ever get any attention, don't ever get any recognition because of the gifts you have, but you're just as critical to the work of God as those that are out front. He's wanting us to understand that. Look at verse 22 through 24. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor, honor to the part which lacked. In verse 22, he talks about some body part being more prominent. And he said there are some body parts that are more prominent that could be done without. He said, now, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. He's saying there are some things and parts of the body that never get any attention that are absolutely critical. For example, we got two eyes. You know, it's possible to lose two eyes and still live. You got two ears. You might run into Peter one day and he'll whack one of them off, but it's possible to live with an ear missing. You can have a hand cut off. You can have a foot cut off. You can have an arm cut off. You have a leg cut off. And you can live. But you cannot live without a liver and a brain and a heart and some of those organs that never get any attention. And he said some of those that get all the limelight, some of those, he said, those that are feeble, that is, the ideal is those who are less noticed, they're necessary. Why do you think God put a skeleton around those parts of the body? Why didn't he put a skeleton around our nose or our head or our, our ears if they were necessary? He put a skeleton around that which is essential to sustaining life. And he's saying some don't get a lot of recognition, but they are parts we can't do. Verse 23, he talks about the less honorable and the uncomely. You see that phrase, less honorable? It is a phrase that describes the torso in general. And the word bestowed there literally means to put around. Well, he's talking about there's the parts of our body that we put something around. We clothe. And what did he say about that? Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. We'll go out. Have you ever heard of anybody going out and buying a $200 suit for an ear? 
Have you ever known of anybody go buy a pair of Coleman shoes or give $300 for a pair of slippers to hang on their nose? No, we spend more money on covering parts of the body that are never seen. But that, those parts of the body, nobody ever gets, gets any attention. That part of our body that nobody ever sees, Paul, Paul said, they get even more honor. He talks about our uncomely parts. And the word uncomely that he used there is a word that literally describes our private parts. It's a word that talks about that which is indecent, that which is shameful, that which is unpresentable. And he talks about they have more abundant comeliness. And the word comeliness there means to make it decent, to make it presentable. There are parts of our body that would be indecent for us to let others see. But we focus upon them and we make them more presentable. And here's what Paul is saying is there are a lot of folks that never get any intention like our body, there are parts of our body nobody ever sees, but that is the part of the body that gets more attention and more honor. It's like Paul is saying to us that those, that there are all these out in the limelight and all of these with these great big gifts making others feel like I'm never doing anything for God. I'm not important. Paul says, I want you to understand something. You've been given double honor in many ways and you're just as critical to the work of God. Verse 24, fire comely parts. Those are our presentable parts. He said they have no need. Again, you don't clothe your nose. I've seen a few I thought need to be clothed. You don't clothe your eyes or ears, whatever like that. He said they have no such need. But he talks about, but God had tempered the body in verse 24, that he's blended the whole thing together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked. What he's saying is, it matters not who you are, you are important. And some of you sitting here tonight, maybe you can't teach, maybe you can't sing, you think, what can I do? I want you to understand something. You're just as critical to the body of Christ as anybody. Your gifts are what God has given to you. And where he's put you in the body is where he wanted you to be, and you are important. The significance of each member. But notice the service of the body. Not only the significance of the body, but the service of the body of each member in verse 25. He said that there should be no schism in the body, but that all members should have the same care one for another. He's talking about ministry. Now, you know the church of Corinth had all kinds of problems. They were fighting over everything division and whatever and Paul said look you need to be you need to bring healing to your body because he said there is a purpose for the body of Christ he said there's a reason you're not you're not created by God and put into a body to fight and be divided you it's, 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 it's like you said it's not natural for your right hand and your left hand to be at odds with one another it's not natural for your right foot and your left foot to be at odds you've never been where you were, your, your feet were fighting with one another. One wanted to go to the North Gate, one wanted to go to Hammond Place. One wanted to go down 64, the other wanted to go to 75. You don't have that problem. They work together. And Paul said, the body, you've been brought together into a body, and there is a reason you've been brought together and gifted the way that you are, and that is that you might care for one another. Now listen to me tonight. You know what the Church of Jesus Christ is about? It is about ministry. It is not about taking in and taking in and taking in and leaving it there. But the church of Jesus Christ is about taking in and giving out. When we come here on Sunday, it is our taking in time. 
But Monday through the rest of the week is our giving out. We are to be involved in ministry, caring for one another. And that's what we're trying to get to in all that we're doing. Faith, greeters ministry, all these kind of things, Sunday school training, all these things we're doing. We are trying to get ourselves to realize that we're in this business of ministry. It's like every person. Over here is somebody. They've got a need. What is the body of Christ to do? It is to reach out to that person in need. Somebody is grieving. Someone is hurting. Somebody has needs in their life. The body responds to those needs. He talks about it in verse 25. Verse 26, And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. We're not different things. like... Like a toe. You may be a toe. You like you take your body. Now, you may mash your toe. But I promise you one thing. When you mash your toe, you think you're all toe. And he's saying when our body, when somebody's hurting in our body, we're to care for that individual. It's like when there's somebody that's not in church, what are we supposed to do? Forget all about them? Absolutely not. We're to... Find out what it is, why they're out. Get out there, get them in. Find out if there's needs. Minister to one another. Build one another up. Love one another. It is to be a body that cares and takes care of one another. It's what ministry's all about. And he's talking about the service of the body. And he even said when, when another member of the body is honored, we all honor with it. Well, he sums it up in verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. It's like he's saying you're individual believers. And every one of you have been gifted of God. One of you may be a toe. One of you may be a nose. But we are one in the body of Christ. And everybody is important in this process of caring one 